0: Welcome to the podcast from Eden Worship Center. Because we believe that it is God's word that does God's work in God's people, we want you to hear the gospel preached in the gathering of believers. We want you to read it for yourself and to join us as we think together and talk together about the sermon from this past week and what's going on in our world. You can join the conversation by sending in your comments and questions to EdenWC at Hotmail.com. May God cause his word to come alive in your heart today. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Midweek Podcast. Pastor Matt here. Uh, by myself this week, as Pastor John is recovering from surgery, he should be uh, back in the next day or so. But I just wanted to talk briefly about the sermon from Sunday and just mention a couple things as we look together at Genesis chapter 11. We had a couple weeks ago looked at Genesis 10, and then later in 11 at the Table of Nations, the genealogy of all the people of the earth, where the nations have come from, where different people groups had come from and different languages. And then we focused in on Genesis 11, the first part of it, verses one through nine, as God uh, separates the people, divides the people and I think it is important as we think about it to acknowledge how often we really look at God through the wrong lens in thinking of him as a man, as a human. And so we tend to attribute to God human characteristics that are typical in humanity, but nothing like the nature and character of God. And so as the people gathered together to build a city and build a tower and God says, let's go down and see what's happening and let's confuse them, their languages, so that they cannot communicate and build this tower. It almost seems like God is picking on them, like he's the mean kid who just wants to come and knock over your building that you had made. And yet that's not at all what's going on. We know that God is good. We know that God is righteous in all that he does, that he is holy in not just what he does, but who he is. And so it is impossible for God to be the mean kid. So we need to stop and look at this passage and examine it from what is really going on. And the truth is, this is an echo of what we had seen in Genesis 6 as time is leading up towards the destruction of the earth and the flood. And Genesis 6 told us that the earth was corrupt in God's sight, that the earth was filled with violence, and that God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. And yet God promises Noah at the end of that time, that he will never again destroy the whole earth with a flood and gives the sign of the rainbow in the sky as God's eternal promise that God will see and God will remember. And yet only a hundred years later, we find ourselves in this place where the earth is again corrupt. Man is gathering not just to build a city and a tower, but to fight against God's clear command that God has been saying from the time of Adam and Noah, that he would uh, bless humanity, that humanity was to be fruitful and multiply. That meant to have physical children, that they were to spread out on the earth, to subdue it, to have dominion on it. And what do we find them saying here in Genesis 11? Uh, We find this repeated phrase of come, let us, come, let us. It's this defiant, let's make bricks, grab the tools, come, let us build a city, build a tower into the heavens, And then here's what they said. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. This is a resistance to God's plan for mankind and for humanity in their day and age. This was rebellion and nothing short of that. That's why God comes down to see. That's why God says, "Let let us go see what it is that these men are doing and building. Let's confuse their language so they can't understand one another's speech. And from there, God dispersed them over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city." So we got a question following the sermon on Sunday, and somebody texted in and asked, "How does God disperse these people?" I love the imagery and imagining in this person's question. I picture him picking them up and just flinging them or like Thanos. If you're a Marvel movie fan, does he snap his finger and they are dispersed? The person says crazy, probably just had them walk, but I'm curious. Well, we're not told exactly what it looked like as God disperses them. And yet within the context of the story, the whole purpose of God was to confuse their language, confound their language, so they couldn't understand each other. And what naturally happened was they began to drift away from each other. Uh, Now, we're not told what that looked like, uh, but it just seems like they're unable to communicate with the people around them, and they naturally begin to drift. They naturally begin to disperse over the face of the earth. Uh, keeping in context here, uh, the reason that we are given this story where we are given this story is God is saying all of the nations, all of the people groups, all the ethnic groups of this world, this was my idea. This was my plan. And even though it comes, this, this dispersion comes as part of the judgment of God, uh, we still see within it the blessing of God in the diversity of humanity, uh, of people from one place uh, who don't necessarily look exactly alike or sound exactly like people from a different place and yet all made in the image of God. In fact, it's so beautiful when you think of this, the big story that we're finding in Genesis, that God has chosen a people for himself among all the peoples of the earth, that one family for himself and, and trace that all the way through the old Testament until Christ comes. And it, there's echoes of there's, there's a bigger promise that is yet to come that it, it's not just salvation for the Jewish people. And then in Christ, it's this explosion of adoption into God's family that people from every nation, every ethnic group, every people group from around the world, every, I love that when it says it, it also includes every language and tongue. It's, it's all of these people that God divided now bringing back into his family, inviting people from every group. That doesn't mean every person is going to be saved. That That's universalism. That, that's, thinking that everybody is just going to be saved just because God is super nice. Well, then he would cease to be holy and righteous as well. But that from every nation, from every people group around the world, God is going to call people to rightly see him and worship him. It is a beautiful picture of God building a diverse family. And I love that the church actually gets to live some of that out that we aren't just building a, a social group or a club of people who look just like us. The thing that unites us is Christ. Even if in our area, most people tend to look alike, the diversity that God is aiming for is we're not just gathered because we all think alike or act alike or talk alike. It's actually that Christ has joined us to himself and therefore to each other. And so we we ended on Sunday Uh, Just hearing this refrain as the rebellious people say, come, let us, grab your tools, grab your bricks, come, let us build a city in rebellion against God. Let's build a tower of worship to illustrate how much we don't need God. And God almost mockingly says, come, let us go remind them who's God and just who is a frail human. And then as that church, as that diverse group that God has called to himself, I love these two prophets, Isaiah and Hosea. Isaiah one eighteen: Come, let us reason together. Though our sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though it's total covering all that we have, all that we can see, and there's nothing we can do about it, through the power of Christ and his coming salvation, we can be cleansed white as snow. There's actually another possible translation of that. Uh, Though we are as scarlet, we will be white as snow, actually talking about leprosy. Though we look like we're fine, there's a chance that this uh, infection of, of sin that has such a strong grip on us uh, will turn us leprous, white as snow. It's all going to decay and fall. Either one of those two options is basically saying our sin has the power to destroy us if we're not careful, and yet Christ has the power to save. In Hosea 6.1, one, come. Let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bind up our wounds. Even though sin has ravaged so many individuals, yet we hear Paul say, and such were some of you, that lives that were marked and even marred by the sins of your past. Such were some of you, but you were washed. That you have been made clean in Christ through his blood, through his sacrifice on your behalf. And so rather than just being divided and split apart from each other, as we see in this passage in Genesis 11, we have been joined together as the body of Christ. And it just blows my mind that it's in that context, in the church, that God has said, I will put my glory on display for the earth to see and heaven and hell that God will make himself glorious in the church. Friends, that is a privilege that we have been invited into. Let us not take that lightly. Let us take seriously the call to fellowship and communion one with another. So thanks for tuning in. I know this is a little bit brief this week, but uh, Lord willing, uh, Pastor John will be back in action here coming up soon. And we will worship together with you this coming Lord's Day at 10 a.m. There's Sunday school at 9 a.m. for all ages. So hopefully, Lord willing, we will see you then. God bless.